I want to share with you a message I've entitled, How Much is Enough? A very wealthy man was asked one time, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. And most of us would probably have to say, yeah, yeah, you know, a little bit. You know, do you have enough money? No, I could use a little more. But all of us at one time or another in our lives have said, you know, that's enough. I've had enough. I'm done. I want any more. I'm done. I've had enough. And there have been some times through Scripture when God has said that, when he has finally said and echoed through the courts of heaven, that's enough. He did it with Sodom and Gomorrah. He did it with Noah and the flood. He did it when Christ died on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, and God said, that's enough. That's all I need. One of these days, God's going to turn to the angel Gabriel, and he's going to say, that's enough. Blow the trumpet. Bring the kids home, and we're out of here. The rapture of the church. So the word enough is a very interesting word. And I, wanna, I want you to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, we get beginning of verse 7. And we'll get to that in just a moment. If you have your uh, bulletin, you'll notice a place for sermon notes. And I want you to write four words. Now, I apologize ahead of time to Paul Grippo and others. This is not an anachronym. This is not, I'm not doing grace again with five different titles. These are rhyming words. Finally, something everybody can relate to, right? Rhyming words. I want you to write, if you're going to take notes, down the left side, write these words. Knowing, growing, showing, and going. These are four things that grace will help you to do. How many of you realize grace is giving something to someone and they don't deserve it? Right? Grace is basically giving something to someone they don't deserve. Or if grace is coming your way, it's getting something that you don't deserve. It's usually a good thing. Grace is a very good thing. It was a family that had, a couple, older couple had gone to bed one night and uh, they were trying to go to sleep and all of a sudden there was a knock at the door and the wife nudges the husband who had fallen asleep. Wake up! There's somebody at the door. I don't care. They'll go away. No, you need to go see who it is. It's late. It's, uh, go see who's at the door. All right, fine. So he goes down the stairs, goes to the door, opens the door. Who is it? I need a push. Just go away. So he goes back upstairs. He gets back into bed. Who was it? I have no idea. Some guy needed a push. Well, you need to go help them. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Just do it. I don't know who they are. I don't care who they are. I don't want to go do this. You have to do the Christian thing and help them. Why do, they, why do people always flip out that Christian card? Because now I've got to do anything and everything, right? What's the deal? So finally the husband, all right, fine, whatever. So he gets some clothes on. He goes down to the, back to the front door. He opens the door. He says, are you still there? Yeah. You still need a push? Yes. Where are you? I'm over here sitting on your French porch swing. And then the fight started. This man wanted something he didn't really deserve. 
the man tried to be gracious, didn't work out so well. Paul writes, he has a little conversation here with God, and uh, in verse 7 he says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was given some information regarding life here. Jesus literally answered his question. He prayed for three times, God, take this away, take it away, take it away. And finally, Jesus' response, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. It's enough that you have this relationship with me, that I am your strength, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul began to understand, he began to learn something and know something here, that in my weaknesses, I am drawn closer to God. How many of you pray a lot when you're feeling great and you got plenty of money and everything's going well? A handful of you do. That's awesome. The average person doesn't do that. If everything's fine and everything's great and everything's good, we don't necessarily tend to be as prayerful. However, when things are going bad, when we've lost our job, when, we, when we're d- discouraged or depressed for some reason, when, when a disease comes into our lives, when there's a hardship or a heartache or a problem, we now all of a sudden become very conscious of God and we, become, we ask God to help us out. Help me, help me, help me. There was a song written many years ago by, a, I think her name was Dottie Rambo. She said, I didn't, the song says, I didn't come here to ask for anything. I just came to talk to you, Lord. And that's a powerful truth. When we can get to the place where whether we have, you know, whether it's great, whether it's a great day or a bad day, we still come and, and communicate with God. We've learned the power of that. I want you to, grace has this ability to help us to know things. It was the grace of God that, uh, that allowed Paul to know some things. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. Philippians 1, 9 says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. There's something I've discovered, discovered about knowledge and about knowing. I've taught in the Bible college here for 30 years now. This is my 30th year. Uh, I started teaching when I was 11. Uh, but uh, all of my students over those 30 years heard me. They had the capability of hearing what I was saying. A percentage of them actually listened to what I was saying. And a smaller percentage learned what I was telling them. How do I know that? Well, the tests that I gave were very revealing. The tests that I gave. And you see, I want to encourage you, your grace, God's grace will help you not just know the word of God, but begin to listen for the voice of God. 
and begin to learn some things about how this relationship between you and God works that will transform your lives. Jesus had a lot of people that heard him. Again, he had a bunch of people that actually listened to him. But the handful of people that finally, that actually learned from him and were willing to die for his, for the cause, was a much smaller number. Thousands upon thousands of people today around the world are probably in a church setting of some sort, and they're hearing the word of God. Some are listening to it, and a handful are learning from it. I'm going for 100% learning today. How many are with me? Let's learn something together today, shall we? The grace of God is enough. And if I learn and understand and know the power, the power of knowing what grace means, I listen to God's voice, I will become a powerful learner. And then I will become a distributor of the truth of God. God, God shares information just one way. Revelation. He reveals things. How many of you have ever had something come to you like a kind of a revelation that didn't make a lot of sense in the natural, but in the spirit it made perfect sense? You know, this morning, uh, you know, again, the Lord just so impressed on me, just tell Pastor Daryl, either send him a text or just tell him over the, over the internet to anoint his head with oil, place oil on his head. The Bible says, call for the elders of the church, anoint with oil the you know, prayer of faith, faith will heal the sick. So God, you know, he laid that on my heart. I listened and I learned. Because I've, that God has done that before, where he's impressed me with, to do something. And uh, over, the pa over the years past, I've done some really crazy things in church. You know, and I still do some crazy things in church. So hold on, this could be one of those days, who knows. But no, coming, to, coming to grips with the fact that God will reveal himself to me, and if I'm open to that revelation, I don't need an explanation. Amen? Because I don't care how it works. I just know it works. I don't even care how electricity works. I just like the way it works. I don't understand how my car works. I just recently got a Prius. This crazy thing is electric and gas. There's a little guy inside there that tells it whether to go electric or whether to go gas. And I don't care because I get 50 miles to the gallon and I'm happy with that. I don't care how it works. I don't need an explanation. How many of you have ever read the owner's manual to your car? Okay, a couple of you crazies have done that. That's good. They gave me this big giant packet of junk and I thought, well, this, this looks like this will fit in the glove box. Bam! That was it. I don't care how it works. I just know it works. I don't need an explanation of how God does things. I just know he does them. I've got his word. This is the information he has given me. This is divine revelation. It's all I need. I'm good. I'm good. Because of that level of knowledge and that level of insight that comes from me listening, not just and hearing, hearing, listening, and then learning from the Word of God, it works. It works. And now I, because of that information, I can become a gracious person. I can begin to share grace with other people. 
Number two, growing. Colossians, turn to Colossians. Let's just back a little ways. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says this. So that just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Growing up. Rooted and built up. Strengthened. What does it take to grow a plant? What's involved in growing plants? Okay, water and what else? Light. Water and light. The Bible is referred to in many places. The water of the word and the light of the word. His word is the light into my path, so on and so forth. Bottom line, if you want to grow in God, coming to church is fine. Listening to CDs is great. But if you're not in this book, you could end up an artificial plant. You know what? Artificial plants look amazingly good at a distance. We have a gorgeous poinsettia in the lobby. How many have seen that? You know that? It's absolutely gorgeous. And you know, at a distance, wow, that is beautiful. Don't water it, please. It's fake. It's not real. It's just fake. Do you know what hypocrisy is? It's being an artificial plant. It's having somebody really get up close to you and realize, wait a minute, you're not the real deal. You're not real. This poor lady's driving down the, driving down the highway one day and gets stopped at a red light and the person in front of her is just not moving. She's honking her horn, screaming out the window waving at him, just yelling and screaming, just going ballistic on these people that are not moving. Well, a police officer pulls her over, gets her out of the car, handcuffs her, puts her in the back of his car, takes her down to the station. They begin to interrogate her. The police officer is asked, why did you bring this woman in? Well, the back of her car said, honk if you love Jesus, follow me to such and such a Sunday school. But the way she was acting, I had a feeling she stole the car. <laughs> Ouch. If you're going to advertise, make sure you're the real deal. The, we have enough artificial plants in churches as it is. Why are young people leaving the church? I'll give you the reason I believe that is the truth. They are not finding grace in the church. They're finding rules and regulations and all kinds of other, other restrictions, but there's no grace for them to come in and become a part of something and share and, be, and potentially make a mistake and then be, you know, restored and enjoy that. Jesus, if he was going to wait for disciples that were fully qualified to become followers of the Son of God, he would still be looking for them. But he called 12 yahoos. That's a Greek term for disciple. No, it's not. It's not. He called the yahoos. Just look around. He's still calling yahoos. Right, Dan? A lot of them are in the youth ministry. 
Exactly. I was a Yahoo. I am the king of Yahoos. Of all the Yahoos in the world, I'm one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wear the title proudly. Because I'm a Yahoo for Jesus. That makes a big difference. Amen. Growing. Growing involves water and light and involves, it involves experiences. And trees that grow well live through storms. This past week, starting Thursday night, Linda and I have been at my daughter, daughter's home babysitting three of our grandkids. I know I'm going to heaven. The other, the other day, we, what day was that? Was it Saturday? I can't really think now. Um, Anyway, Xander is the four-year-old, Bella is the six-year-old princess, and Trinity is the ten-year-old tomboy. Well, Xander, we're down there playing, having a great time, and Xander thinks it would be really funny if he took this huge ping-pong paddle and swatted me on the backside. He thought that would be great fun. I didn't. And so I go, Xander! Don't you ever hit me again! In that tone of voice. For that little four-year-old, that was a little overpowering. So he took off into the bathroom. He's crying his eyes out. He's just, you know, he's a mess. And I'm, I'm thinking, Xander, you need to come out here and apologize. You started this. It's your fault. You need to <laughs> suck it up and be a man and deal with this problem. Boy, was I dreaming. So, you know, I am just, just upset, you know, I just, I have a real problem with disrespect, and, and not me personally, people disrespecting me, rather. Um, and so, so anyway, you know, I, you know, he's down there, just, he won't come upstairs, he's just a total mess. So, so I'm upstairs, it's like the Lord taps me on the shoulder and says, you need to go down there and apologize. And I'm going, for what? I'm sorry, you're a little snot. Was that what I'm supposed to tell him? No. God said, I want you to go down there and apologize to him and restore this relationship. I could, you know, I could feel the grace growing inside of me, and it was hurting. He's like, ah. Because when grace grows, guess what? Pride has to get out of the way. Pride gets pushed out, and it's not a happy feeling. And grace was growing. So I, you know, I just well, bit my little lip and just marched down those steps. And I very comment said, hey, Xander, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I apologize. You know, I, yeah, when you hit me, that hurt, but I understand. And I, you know, we don't, we're not playing that game anymore. And, you know, I'm sorry. You know, can we... Can you forgive me? That was the key word I used. Don't just tell people you're sorry. Ask them to forgive you because that releases the situation. Everybody in the world's sorry about something. It's a sorry world we live in, so whatever. You can't go to God and say, God, I'm really sorry you caught me doing all this stuff. That doesn't work. Father, forgive me. That breaks, the, that breaks open the bondage. And so that growth moment was pretty amazing. And I discovered something. It restored the relationship. And I learned something a long time ago. I'd forgotten about it. And then the Lord reminded me. 
the stronger person will always initiate the peace. The stronger individual will always initiate the peace. I don't care if you have been, you know, mistreated. You need to initiate the peace. Grace feels better than grudges. Grace feels better than holding a grudge. Growing, water and light. Now, once, you've, once you know about grace and you understand it, and once you're beginning to grow in that grace and you're, it's being fed through the word and through the power of the word, it's time to start showing it. Turn to Philippians. Back to Philippians. Chapter 2 this time. Paul shares a whole section there about Jesus coming from heaven and taking on the form of a servant and so on and so forth. But then he says this in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ I did not run in labor or labor for nothing. I'm always interested as to why Paul and the other Bible writers use certain pictures or analogies. And he uses the word stars. He doesn't say, I want you to be like the moon and reflecting the love of God. He says to be like stars. Stars have their own light source, right? They're a ball of burning fire. And God decided to throw them out through the entire universe and a lot of other universes. But they are a self-contained source of light. I want you to understand something that's very powerful. The moment that you were saved, a light was implanted inside of you. A fire source, a light source came alive in you. People that are not saved, people that have never accepted Christ as their personal savior are still somewhat, are, are basically dark. They are still, they're searching, they're looking, they feel that empty spot, they're not sure what it'll take to fill it, they try to fill it with a variety of things. But at the moment you accept Christ, the light, this, the light of God is implanted in you. And as you begin to grow and develop, that light becomes more and more evident. And you start to shine. You ever met somebody that just shines? You, you can almost tell that they're Christian because they just seem to glow. There's something about them. They just have that glow. One of the stars that I, I think is just an awesome person. Get up, Teresa. Come here. Just get over here. Stop being shy and humble. It's my twin sister, Teresa. We were switched at birth. Um, Teresa is a shining star. You know how I know that? Where do you think that bread comes from? I don't stay up and bake it, I guarantee you. 
She stops and picks that up every week and brings it and shares it with the church. This woman exudes grace. Amen. Amen. This is, what, this is what it looks like when the light of God in you is shining out of you. So see, God, this, she's my little pen light. I'm sorry, you can't reach my head, so that's why I can do that. She's a little like a little flashlight. No, she's not even a flashlight. She's just a power source. She's a star. She shines. You know what I'm talking about. Do you get it? Yeah, the glory of God, obviously. We don't shine for ourselves. That's just silly. But the power of God, that fire, that, that light that's inside of us, God wants to put us in dark places so that when we shine, it becomes very evident. And you don't walk into those places and go, hey, I'm the light that I'm here and the rest of you hellbound idiots need to listen to me. That is not what I'm talking about. Because lights don't do that. They just shine. They don't tell you they're a light. They just do light. They just do light. And like the stars. You know, can you, ima can you imagine what it would be like if you walked out some night on a beautiful, clear night, and the stars are out there, and you open your door, and all you heard was, Hey, look at me! Look at me! Look at me! Hey, I'm a, I'm a star up here! Look at me! No, I'm the bigger star! Look at me! No, I'm the star! Go up, look over me! Screaming across the universe, all these crazy stars. That's ridiculous. Well, God said, just shine like stars. Just shine. And let your light become that which draws people to Christ. Why are you glowing? Why do you do this? I could ask Teresa that. Teresa, why do you do this? Every Sunday, why do you do this? Why, why are you going to the Philippines to minister to kids? Why do you do that? Because it's what stars do. We shine. We shine. And I'm challenging you to do that. And what, do you, what comes out of you when you shine? Grace. Grace. What draws people to God? His grace. It's not God yelling at sinners. It's his kindness that brings us to salvation. It's God's grace. God, fill me up with that grace to the point where I, it's just, I'm just sopping in it. And people can't get anywhere near me without feeling the grace of God. God, help us. And Paul says, you know, how do we do that? Without complaining or arguing. Oh, man. Oh, man. Where'd that come from? Paul, you, you had such a great passage of Scripture going here, and then you throw that in there. So that you may become blameless and pure. Grace. Grace. God, help us to do that, to show it off. And once I get a hold of this idea... Once I know grace and I'm growing in that grace and I, and I understand that I'm, I'm a star, I'm a light, and I shine, then what do I need to do? I need to go. It's about going. Jesus didn't, you know, tell his, tell his disciples, all right, guys, now, you know, the Holy Spirit's coming and when he's done with you guys, you'll be empowered. I want you to build a fort and just hang on till I get back. Wouldn't that be horrible? We're going to hang out in a fort. No. Go. Go. Make disciples. Teach them everything that I've told you and everything that I want you to observe, that, that I've taught you to observe. Last, last scripture. 
Back to Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Final, final thought here. In verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ambassadors. You know, the, the, minute, per, the minute a person gets saved, they become an ambassador because they are no longer a part of this world system. We're from a different country. And the country that we're from is heaven. And so that means that we, our language is different. If you're an ambassador, you're in a foreign country, you have a different, you have a different first language. Your language is different. Your customs are different. Your values are different. How many of you are different today than you were before you became a Christian? Thank the Lord. Amen. Your language changed. Started using words like praise the Lord. Instead of asking God to damn things, you were asking him to bless things. Amen? Changed. Your language changed. Where you spent Sunday mornings changed. Where you spent your money changed. Your values of life changed. You're an ambassador now. God left you here for a reason. Thank you for that amen. God left you here for a reason. He wants you to become his spokesperson. To do what? To try to scare the hell out of people? No. To share grace with them. To give them kindness. To let them begin to see that God is a loving, amazing God and has this amazing heaven that he wants to share with multiplied millions. God's not afraid of big crowds. He wants to fill heaven. And how do we get there? How do we bring people to that place? By being gracious to them. Gracious. Gracious. Being an ambassador means learning how to sell. How many of you are salespeople? You sell stuff. Okay? That's not easy, is it? Selling things is hard. See, when I'm in a classroom, I'm selling. I'm selling knowledge, education. When Pastor Dan's in his youth meetings, he's selling Jesus. He's selling Christ to a group of kids. I want you to buy, I want you to, you know, invest in this. I found this amazing little story about a young girl. The title of this story is Ask, Ask, Ask. The greatest saleswoman in the world today doesn't mind if you call her a girl. That's because Marquita Andrews has generated more than $80,000 selling Girl Scout cookies since she was seven years old. That's crazy. Going door to door after school, she, uh, the painfully shy Marquita transformed herself into a cooking selling dynamo when she discovered at age 13 the secret of selling. It starts with desire, burning hot, white hot desire. For Marquita and her mother, who worked as a waitress in New York after her husband left them when Marquita was eight years old, their dream was to travel the globe. 
I'll work hard to make enough money to send you to college, her mother said one day. You'll go to college, and when you graduate, you'll make enough money to take you and me around the world. Okay? Sounds like a simple plan. So at age 13, when Marquita read her Girl Scout magazine, that the scout who sold the most cookies would win an all-expenses-paid trip to, for two around the world, she decided to sell all the Girl Scout cookies she could. No wonder those things are so expensive. Man. More Girl Scout cookies than anyone in the world ever. But desire alone is not enough. It's great for us to be here in church and go, yeah, yeah, Pastor Fred, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to win the world. I'm going to go out and reach my family for Jesus. I'm going to touch people's lives. I'm going to be gracious. And then, you, you know, you're going to barely get to the parking lot and somebody's going to pull out in front of you. Hey, what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Watch, watch where you're going. You know, it's got to work out there. It can't just work in here. Okay? It's got to happen out there. I digress. Desire alone is not enough. To make her dream come true, Marquita knew she needed a plan. Always wear your right outfit, your professional garb, her aunt advised. When you're doing business, dress like you're doing business. Wear your Girl Scout uniform. When you go up to people in their tenement buildings at 4.30, 6.30, especially on Friday night, ask for a big order. Always smile. Whether they buy or not, always be nice. Don't ask them to buy your cookies. Ask them to invest. Lots of other scouts may have wanted, wanted the trip around the world. Lots of other scouts may have had a plan, but only Marquita went off in her uniform each day after school ready to ask and keep asking folks to invest in her dream. Hi, I have a dream. I'm earning a trip around the world for me and my mom by merchandising Girl Scout cookies, she said at the door. Would you like to invest in one dozen or two dozen boxes of cookies? I mean, see, too many of us use the wrong approach. It's like, if I was selling cookies, I got, you don't want to buy any cookies, do you? No. Okay, thanks. You're never going to sell anything. So Marquita sold 3,526 boxes of Girl Scout cookies that year and won her trip around the world. Since then, she has sold more than 42,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies, spoken at sales conventions across the country, starred in a Disney movie about her adventure, has co-authored a bestseller, How to Sell More Cookies, Condos, Cadillacs, Computers, and Everything Else. What a great book title. Marquita is no smarter, no more extroverted than thousands of other people, young and old, when, with dreams of their own. The difference is Marquita has discovered the secret of selling. Ask, ask, ask. Many people fall before they even begin because they fail to ask for what they want. The fear of rejection leads many of us to reject ourselves, our dreams, long before anyone else ever has the chance, no matter what we're selling. Everyone is selling something. You're selling yourself every day in school to your boss, to new people you meet. Said Marquita at 14, my mother's a waitress, she sells the daily special. Mayors, presidents trying to get votes, they're selling. One of my favorite teachers was Mrs. Chapin. She made geography interesting. Now that's really selling. I, could, I see selling everywhere I look. Selling is part of the whole world. It takes courage to ask for what you want. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's doing what it takes despite one's fear. And as Marquita has discovered, the more you ask, the easier and more fun it gets. Once on live TV, the producer decided to give Marquita her toughest selling challenge. Marquita was asked to sell Girl Scout cookies to another guest on the show. Would you like to invest in one dozen or two dozen boxes of Girl Scout cookies, she asked. Girl Scout cookies? I don't buy Girl Scout cookies, he replied. I'm a federal penitentiary warden. I put 2,000 rapists, robbers, criminals, muggers, and child abusers to bed every night. Unruffled, 
Martita quickly countered, Mister, if you take some of these cookies, maybe you won't be so mean and angry and evil. And Mister, I think it'd be a good idea if you take some of these cookies to back for every one of your 2,000 prisoners, too. The warden wrote a check. Everybody out there is desperately looking for grace. That's what they want. That's what they need. We don't need another political program. We don't need another governmental program. We don't need a bunch of money. We don't need this, that, and the other thing. We need a church of Jesus Christ to march into this dark world, shine like stars, and offer people grace. Will they all take it? No, they will not. Did everybody follow Jesus? Not by a long shot. But if you can win one and transform their life, their circle of influence could be touched to the thousands. It just takes courage. Just got to do it. Just got to do it. So today, when your team does not win, be gracious. When your team does win, be gracious. For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, be gracious. Let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you, thank you, thank you for the anointing power of the Holy Spirit that has filled this place today. Because I just shared what you laid on my heart to share. It's about knowing, about growing, about showing, but most of all, God, it's about going. For Father, we don't have to be a theologian to share grace. We don't have to be, we just have to be human and a follower of Jesus to share grace. So Father, thank you for the amazing opportunity to go out today and be gracious to those that desperately need somebody to be nice to them. But more than nice, gracious to them. Father, we ask that you'd bless each one. I thank you, God, for each one. Father, in a moment, we're going to receive a benevolence offering for those that are facing some hardships in their lives. And Lord, thank you that we can be a part of that, that we can be gracious in our giving and share and invest in the lives of those that just are on a hard time right now. We thank you for that opportunity. Lord, we again thank you for this day and your blessings. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, if you would come, we do a